0: And making their way into the arena, hailing from the great pro-wrestling state of Massachusetts, they are the hosts of the Top of the Cage podcast. Here are Bill and Juice. Thank you again, Rich Palladino, for introducing us on this week's episode of Top of the Cage. And I am the super producer. I am Bill Joined always by my tag team partner, my wrestling confidant, he is the future booking genius and the prince of pro wrestling podcasts, he is Justin Juice Cannon. Boom. Boom, baby. This week, we have on a guest that Rich Paladino has introduced plenty of times, I'm sure. Somebody who is a New England indie and just an overall like East Coast indie sensation, I would say. Somebody who has had an appearance on AEW Dark and somebody who is one of my favorite up-and-coming wrestlers right now, and that is the Dime Piece, Aaron Rourke. Yeah, he's
1: awesome. Awesome wrestler. Awesome guy. Really had fun talking to him. Like you said, New England guy. Like our our promotion is chaotic. Beyond to uh, WrestlePro, I mean, yeah, WrestlePro, Pro, pro, which I mean, we don't go to, but I do watch some of them, Um, especially like YouTube matches. uh, Wrestling Open—that's what I meant to say instead of WrestlePro before WrestlePro, and also Limitless, which is actually—it's one of my favorites. I've never been, to. (laughs) but uh, yeah, he's he's a star. He's got charisma on top of charisma. I've been talking, I can't wait for people to hear the interview.
0: Yeah, absolutely one of my favorite interviews we've done. Somebody who you can tell just oozes passion for the business, Uge's passion for the character that they portray, and everybody knows me, I love larger Than Life characters, and Aaron Rourke is that to a T. So without any further ado, let's get to our interview with the champ champ, the dime piece, Aaron Rourke.
1: What's up, listeners at Top of the Cage podcast? We got another uh, interview for you. It's been a little, little while. Uh, excited for this one. So this week, we got Creative Pro TV champion, chaotic Panoptic champion, uh, part of ART, top tag team, and uh, top faction in Limitless Wrestling, uh, the Dime Piece himself, Aaron Rourke. How you doing, man? How's your Sunday going?
2: Happy Sunday, everyone. What's up, guys? so happy to be here i'm doing well got my coffee and my little legend of zelda mug ready to go oh, that's a fire mug thanks brother work my brother got that for me he's a real one
0: are you a big gamer
2: i am quite a big gamer well i don't know what constitutes being a, a gamer if you have to play like multiple games i kind of go back and forth between like a couple but i do play very often what's your favorite so a toss up between legend of zelda and animal crossing
1: okay what's your favorite zelda game
2: so i feel it like, well i feel like this is going to get me some hate sorry everyone but breath of the wild is my favorite just because it was the first zelda game i played And I was like, this is great. Now I got to go back and play all the other ones because I played Wind Waker as a kid, but I didn't remember it. So I went back and played Wind Waker. I'm currently playing Skyward Sword. I have Majora's Mask coming up next. But I would say Breath of the Wild for right now is my favorite.
0: See, I don't think that's a hot take. Personally, that's also my favorite Zelda game. I've had so many people say, bro, it's such a trash game. Like, it does nothing for the Zelda formula, this and that. And I was like, but it reinvents the Zelda formula. That's what I love so much about it.
2: First of all, whoever said it's trash, they're trash. They'll... (laughs) The whole design of the game is, like, the most beautiful game I've ever seen. If you don't want to play, like, the main quest or do, like, the side quests or, like, look for the freaking seeds, like, 978 of them, I just, like, run around the game board and just go to different places.
0: It's so beautiful. No, I I completely agree. It's just one of those games where it's like, all right, I got, like, two hours to kill. I can just go run around and, and Breath of the Wild and just beat up some random bad guys, get some cool chess, and then just find something I never found before on the map.
2: Exactly. It, it, this is why I feel like it's such a hot take. People are like, it's trash. It doesn't go with the game. And I'm like, that game is beautiful. That is a fantastic game. I spent most of quarantine playing it. It was, ugh. it's like the best game ever.
0: Yeah, I spent most of my quarantine playing Animal Crossing, but I'm, I'm sure you also did too. <laughs>
2: that game is great, but also. Struggle.
0: Yeah. <laughs> great. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's talk wrestling. Cause you know, we are a wrestling podcast. as much as I love to talk about video games. And I know one of the first things that we mentioned uh, right off the bat is you currently do not have that beautiful face paint of yours. And, uh, it is honestly some of the best face paint in the wrestling world. So what, what prompted you to start doing that for the character?
2: Well, first, thank you so much. Cause I do take a lot of pride in, uh, I do put a lot of work into my face paint. It started when I came, I bo- so I was injured in 2019. I had a pretty devastating ankle injury and I was coming back and I was facing Chris Statlander. She was champ at the time. And that was such a big match for me because she is one of my dearest friends. I love her. And just the whole match meant a lot, coming back, having it with her. Like, this is something we always wanted. So I wanted to do up and look like a star, because I was going to be in the ring with a star. So I started doing, like, these gold flakes and rhinestones around my eyes, and then, like, one of my wrestling inspirations is Asuka. I think she's great. I think her Japan wrestling was fantastic. I loved her, like, different looks and just all of that. So I started emulating that with the tears, and it kind of just got progressively more insane-looking, just like the character he got progressively more insane and i think you see that play out at um chaotic wrestling a lot definitely you see a progression of Aaron going from like this flamboyant like all about diamonds rhinestones and feathers to this kind of like two-faced diva on one face absolute demon on the other face and then i just kind of like to play with it you know i like to get creative i like to come up with different looks i like to try out different like routines or like patterns or like styles people do so it just became a progression but i think it shows that aaron rourke is becoming more of a darker character still maintaining his flamboyancy but showing that like there's a darker side to him that's a tad more insane than most people
1: you uh do the face paint all yourself do you
2: have any help at all no i do it all myself before every show how long does it usually take Well, it depends. The normal standard, either half-face or, like, half-face going down, usually could take about a half hour to maybe 45 minutes if I'm, like, trying to get really detailed with it. The cold fury face pain, which was, like, the whole face and neck, that took about, like, uh, an hour and a half to two hours. That was a long time. You all, like, in the back of the show? The cold fury the show but usually at the show i will be in the back just painting away i usually get some like people who like walk by and they'll stop and like watch me do it they say it's a very interesting process to watch meanwhile it's just adding more stress to my day because i'm like now i have an audience watching me paint this straight line for five minutes i'm like okay i'm getting a little stressed out here
0: (laughs) what's it like to travel with all that makeup is it uh, is, is that stressful in itself? It is another thing to think about
2: when you're packing and you're traveling. You're like, oh, did I clean my brushes? Do I have enough of this colored paint? Do I have my palette with me? Do I have my water bottle to wash my paint? Do I have paper towels to cu- uh, clean my brushes? And you would think that maybe I would just smarten up and order like a makeup bag or like a traveling kit. No, I just throw it right into my luggage or into my duffel bag, and I say, "All right, let's hope I have it." The same with the contacts too. You know, I have like three contact holders because I have like my gray eyes, my blue eyes, and my yellow eyes. And every time I'm like, "What eyes did I bring? If I forgot to bring the other ones, then I guess we're doing this kind of color today." It's just another added level of stress.
1: So that leads to what I was going to ask next: Is there were times that you really had to change what you're your face paint was going to be or what your look was going to be because you
2: just forgot something oh yeah there are times when i'll just show up to a show and i'm like all right well i forgot to bring this color so i guess uh we're just gonna have to go in a totally different direction i'll have to change gear sometimes because i'm very particular and i guess this is where my only type a trait comes into play it's like uh if it doesn't match my face i'm not gonna wear it as gear so it's If I'm wearing purple, it has to be like a gold or purple face. If I'm wearing red, it has to be like gold or red. If it has to be like a warm color, I'll wear like warm colors. I don't like to mix because I like it to all look pretty uniform. So if I mess up the color, I always have like four sets of gear that like, if I didn't have this color, I could wear this color with this set of gear. Which again, is just more stress that I've added for myself. So never easy, never easy.
0: What's the furthest place you've traveled to with all that stuff?
2: Oh my god. The one place that pops to mind is that me and CPA and someone else, forgive me whoever was in this car with us, I forgot. We traveled to North Carolina in a day. We got on the road at 4 a.m., got to the venue by like for a six o'clock show to just then drive home and get home by like four or five a.m wow
0: yeah <laughs> what was the promotion you were working down in north carolina ah oh,
2: see i have brain soup so i okay. i could not tell you it was it was super fun i still remember it it was like in a big gymnasium like these fans were just so into wrestling that like You know when, like, you just go to a show and when people are excited to watch wrestling, it makes it that much more fun because it's not like this marquee crowd that's like, oh, they did this in this wrong spot. No, these people were just here for, like, entertainment, to have a good time, to watch us do what we love, and that was one of my favorite experiences because not only did I get to wrestle CPA, we just got to have, like, a fun time, and the crowd was, like, very into it. But I could not tell you the promotion, but I could tell you I had a great time there. And just a disclaimer to anyone watching, I swear I'm not naked from the waist down. I am wearing boxers. Like, <laughs> I am wearing, I
0: promise you. We don't typically do too much video for our podcast, usually just social media clips. But if we post one, we'll make sure we post that too.
2: <laughs> just a disclaimer, you know, I'm not trying to get anyone X-rated or anything. I am in pants. <laughs> little shorter.
0: Well, I mean, one of the things about you is, you know, you, you definitely keep yourself in tip top shape as, uh, you know, a lot of wrestlers nowadays are are looking the part as being a top athlete. Um, so how, how often do you work out and, uh, you know, is there anything that's different in your workout regimen compared to something that like a non-wrestler routine might be?
2: So typically, because well, it is hard with a shoot, like a shoot job, you know, but I try to work out at least lifting wise, three to four days a week, and then training on top of this an extra like two or three days. So you have two or three days dedicated to cardio and training and like reflexes and skills, and then four other days dedicated to lifting. So I work out a lot. I would say um, maybe what's different for me is because of my flexibility, I have to work on... Uh, flexibility training and staying limber, and while I'm also powerlifting and working out and trying to gain size, I also work on cutting and maintaining a certain aesthetic or body type. I'm I'm not really trying to go for like the big juicy guy. I'm trying to be like more ripped, more lean, because that also helps with my flexibility. You know, I'm not I I wasn't born to be a 250 pound man who could also do a back bend and a split. You know. That would make things quite hard you know i try and work on flexibility a lot i try to work on my cardio i try to just stay in shape and keep my body fueled and healthy and especially when it needs time to relax i will definitely take the time to relax i have no problems skipping a day sorry when that offends
1: so worth thing some uh like workouts or uh things you do to work on flexibility
2: So I'll do, I do a lot of yoga. I try and stay limber that way, or I'll try and hold a split for as long as I can. Or like I'll hold a kettlebell while I'm dropping down in a split because it adds tension and it works on your muscles to like keep you held in that one place. So it just helps the strength you have in your hips and your legs. And I just really try and maintain flexibility. You know, I try to incorporate my old track uh, stretching and working out into it or my old dance working out and uh, stretching routines just to make sure everything stays limber. And I don't pull something because I can't afford to pull something that will hurt so bad.
0: I know you said you had the, the ankle injury. Is there any other kind of just like when you said like pulling something in the ring? Like how does that really affect your performance compared to kind of going into something? Maybe you might have like a bumper bruise from the night before, but uh, you yeah, once you once you get that pull, it's all game over. I, it's
2: it depends. So I would just say when you have something a little more serious than like a bumper or bruise, it just kind of weighs heavily on you. I so like an example for me was I blew out my knee. At a taping in Brooklyn for Outlaw. It wasn't anything bad. It was just like it got a nasty bump and it was really swollen, and I can still feel like pockets of fluid in there. And like sometimes I can feel my knee clicking and out. So it's like, it's not bad. Should I probably get it checked? Maybe. But it's just something that you think about and you're always like, oh, is this going to hurt or is this going to affect it? Or like you get into a match and you're worried that something might happen where it pops out or like, it gets worse. So I feel like the wrestlers are always conditioned to just kind of like work on the fly and just be like, all right, my knee is a little wonky right now. Let me I always wrap it up. I always double knee pad it. I always make sure that no matter what I'm doing, this one knee has like the most protection and it works. And then when I'm working out, you know, I wear a brace or like a sleeve to keep everything condensed. So I feel like injury and pulls and tears and bumps and bruises come with the game. It's, you know, we're no stranger to it. But I think wrestlers just learn to adapt and just kind of say, all right, it's not that bad, but I shouldn't exacerbate it anymore. How can I meet in the middle?
0: So I'm, I'm sure a lot of that learning on the fly uh, comes from your training. Um, and, and you're a creator pro guy, right?
2: Yes, through and through. Cap, homegrown, baby. <laughs>
0: So what's it like training at a school? I mean, it's such a prestigious reputation, you know, and and with people like Pat Buck and Brian Myers there, you know, what what was it like learning under them?
2: It was, well, truly it's an honor and experience. Well, first and foremost, I will say to be under the tutelage of Brian Myers and Pat Buck, I think set me up for success way before I ever knew what I would be able to do in this business. Because they are just so professional. These are two people who have been around the block for a while. Brian wrestled in WWE for a long time. Pat wrestled for a long time. I say he's like the guru of wrestling. Pat knows ins and outs of wrestling. People don't even like couldn't even comprehend. So you have these two you have these two great wrestlers who know different things but can come together to make it work and show you how wrestling can be different and also intertwined. I just think Training from them set me up for success in such a big way. And then to train at such a school of prestige with guys like Max Caster, MJF, Chris Statlander, Bear Country, Mark Sterling, Johnny Silver, Alex Reynolds, like to train with all of them in your learning, and your formative years, I just, I think it speaks for itself. I think that's why I'm at the level I'm at, so new to the game, is because I had all these people to help me and back me up and help me get to that point. And I mean, I could go on about Creative Pro if you have time, like I'll just say, it's very family based, you know, what I love about us is that we all love each other, even though we're all like family, we all fight every now and then, but it's a family and we, and we are taught what's good for one person is good for everyone. And I think that's what keeps everyone humble and respectful and keeps everyone pushing each other to go forward because everyone wants that school to be successful because that school and Brian and Pat gave them something that maybe they thought was unattainable.
1: So still keeping on track to uh, Creative Bro. I was wondering, like a lot of schools, they'll have like guest seminars, like guest like instructors and stuff. Pat Buck and Myers obviously have a lot of connections to a lot of like great names. Like, have they ever like brought, well, they definitely probably have like brought in like guest instructors. Like who are some of those guys that have come in and
2: like did like special uh, classes? I mean, this was a little before my time, but I know, like, uh, Tyson Kidd, TJ Wilson had came in at some point, and, you know, I think MJF has run, like, a seminar. I know Pat and Brian have run their own seminars. What's fun is that Brian and Pat will bring in people, like you see on um, the Major Figure Wrestling podcasts, like, their shows, like, you get all these names, like, Maven and Matt Cardona, and just, like, all these, and Heath Slater. You just kind of meet these people and not only is it a great way to expand your horizon of people, you know, or like people, you know, in the business, they're just really great people. And, you know, I got to meet Gangrel and just like they, I mean, I met Nick Gage, like there's just a lot of people that Brian knows and Pat knows that love to come work for them and wrestle for them. So it's a great experience. You get to meet those people and just kind of bond over this one thing we all truly love which is wrestling and then you're like oh my god i'm talking to like former wwe superstar like so and so or like former wrestling like legend blah, blah blah or like wrestling legend itself like it's just really crazy who you meet in wrestling and it's also crazy how personable they are you would think someone of that status or of someone in our like profession would be totally different, but a lot of them are so level-headed, so nice, so respectful, and they're just normal people, so it's, like, it's a very cool experience, and I've gotten to meet and wrestle a lot of awesome people with a lot of legacy in this business, and I'm very fortunate for that.
0: I know recently, uh, you posted something about wrestling Keith Slater. What was that like? And I know from, kind of, like, the Good Brothers podcast, like, they, they kind of really, Harp on his southern uh, hospitality and his southern mannerisms, but yeah, you know, I don't know if he portrays that in the ring.
2: Oh baby, well, <laughs> this might be—I might sound like a one-man stand or a one-man boy band, but uh I love Heath Slater. That man is a dream an icon, and maybe the best person on the face of the planet. He is so funny, so hospitable. There, whatever they say about southern hospitality is true. He is such a cool dude, such a down-to-earth dude, and so freaking talented, you know, I got to wrestle him and Trey Miguel and Blake Christian in a four-way, a very interesting four-way, I'd say, but, you know, he dominated his own and showed us, maybe us youngins, that he can still fucking go and still does go and is... Honestly, one of the best people I've ever had the privilege of wrestling and just getting to know him and know him personally makes me love him even more. I am a huge Heath Slater stand.
1: I'm with you there because I actually, I put the question in because I'm just like huge Heath Slater fan. I'm like, definitely want to bring up Heath Slater because he's one of my impact favorites, just one of my favorites in general. Like, he's so funny.
2: He is so funny. He cracks my shit up i uh I can't say enough good things about him without sounding like an absolute freak, but
0: <laughs> so wick like, what is what is like a pre match conversation before that? you know was there anything specific that he told you guys before that match, or was it a little bit more on the fly?
2: I think we were all just very excited to go out there and have fun and it was it's an interesting group of people in a four way and uh, you know I don't know if there was like so much like ring generals, I think we just kind of all knew what uh we were good at and we just we had the common goal to go out there, put on a show, have fun, beat each other up. But just remember, let's all play to the fact that we're four completely different wrestlers and let's just go out there and steal the show as people with me in matches always do. I don't know if it's a common denominator, but you know, I think we just really wanted to go out there and have fun. And I think we did personally.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, being a show stealer and, you know, somebody who always puts on great matches is definitely something that everybody recognizes. And, uh, you know, you did have an AEW dark appearance as well. And I'm sure, you know, the training and the people you've met have helped you get that opportunity. So were you ready to steal the show on that opportunity? Or were there a little nerves for the dime piece?
2: I think I would be absolutely lying if I said that I didn't have nerves. There's a... There is quite the jump where you go, I'm not, this is not to sound like rude or anything, but like when you go from Independence to AEW to WWE, it's, it's a jump. It's a different beast. And to have that first time I went there, you know, I wasn't fully in tune with who Aaron Work was yet, as I feel like I am now. So you have this kind of like, oh, I don't really know who I am, but I'm getting this opportunity. I have to make the most of it. I have to go in there wanting to win, wanting to succeed, wanting to show everyone like, hey, I might be like someone you don't know, but you should want to know me because I am entertaining. I don't think if I'm thinking about me, I don't know how pleased they were with me leaving uh rhinestones and glitter all over the ring, but hey, you can never say I didn't leave a lasting impression. <laughs> Not every day that you are living in there is like a pool of glitter, just chilling.
0: Putting the term "leaving it all in the ring" to a tea.
2: <laughs> to a girl tea. makeup, uh, rhinestones, glitter, gold flakes—you name it—I leave it all out there. Maybe a contact, a time or two, you know. But it was definitely fun, and I definitely had a great time. And uh I hope I have more times like that. That match meant a lot to me, and. I was very proud to watch that match with my family. And, you know, Chuck Taylor is an absolute professional. And, I mean, he almost broke my neck on that awful waffle. But, hey, you know, he had to do what he had to do to put the dime piece down. I respect it.
0: Yeah, as do I. I mean, yeah, I mean, Chuck Taylor, again, is somebody who's just been there, done that all over the wrestling world. So that that's really cool. And I know, speaking for me personally, I I would love to see you have an opportunity on AEW again.
2: I would hope so, you know. I think I would look very stunning under AEW's bright lights. I think piece could go hand in hand pretty well. But hey, you never know. We'll see. My phone's always on ring.
1: <laughs> so you you talked about um I had a friendship with uh, Chris. Was did Chris like have any um to have any words for you going in like your first AW appearance?
2: you know, she was just very supportive. And I think that's what you really look for. And as a friend, especially in wrestling, you know, there's not a whole lot you can say besides, you know, like got this, you deserve it, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, the, the list of why you deserve to be here, but she just reinsured me that I deserve this. And like, I am unique and talented and for what it is, just go out there and perform and do the best you can. And, you know, it just, and it was funny, like she was at ringside, you know, because she was uh, with the best friends at this point. So there was Trent and Orange and Chris at ringside. So I was like, my dear friend is watching me currently. So it was nice to have her out there. And, um, you know, she's just always been a good friend and always supported me. And there was no different at that time, too. And I was just completely thankful for her and everyone who works there and everyone at CAP who was very supportive and really wanted me to go do my best. So, very thankful.
1: Going, going back to Cap a little bit, well, kinda. So uh, you're obviously a champ champ, two belts right now. And we two belts. Uh, champ. Champ champ. Of the of your two titles, uh, which one's your favorite?
2: Oh my god. That you're putting me in hot fire right now. <laughs> come on.
1: Just cover um, their ears.
2: <laughs> I it's hard to choose because what the chaotic belt stands for is something very near and dear to me. Obviously the panoptic title stands for whoever of whatever race, gender, sexual identity can defend it, hold it. Put have matches for it against it, whatever it's it means a lot to me and what it stands for in my community. And I think I just when I hold that belt, there's a sense of um pride and showing like it does not matter like what what is on this belt, what it stands for, like who holds it. It's showing that there is progress in wrestling and that just because you happen to be a homosexual man does not mean you cannot perform at a top level or you cannot be champion. For the Creative Pro TV belt, to me, it holds a lot of stock because I am a very proud Creative Pro student. I would not have my career if it wasn't for Brian Myers and Pat Buck and to represent their promotion and the school that got me here means the world to me. So. I would say probably what means more to me is the TV belt just because it's where I'm from. It's my home. And to be one of the top guys at my home and to carry that belt with pride and dignity as it should be means the world to me and that I'm the person who gets to do it. But definitely does not mean I don't love the chaotic Panoptic belt any less. It is truly an honor to be a leader in the conversation of queer wrestling and to show people that just because we have a difference in sexuality or preference or different genders, races, doesn't mean that we can't be champions. We can't succeed in wrestling.
0: I think that's a very powerful message, too, especially regarding the, the Panoptic title. But, yeah, I, I think that it's awesome for you to be able to hold uh, the cap. TV title. I mean, you know, like you said, being, representing where you come from is definitely important. And I know we've talked to Chase Del Monte previously about the creation and what went behind the actual title making of the Chaotic Panoptic Championship. And, you know, seeing somebody like you representing it, um, you know, not being afraid of being who you are not being afraid of of showing what you represent is definitely a powerful thing. And I know he said before, too, that, you know, he's had fans reach out to him saying, you know, having this title has made me more comfortable about my sexuality or who I identify as as a person. And, uh, you know, I, I just think that's truly beautiful.
2: I didn't know we were here to inflate. Chase Del Monte's already. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's our only two-time guest. So, I mean, I guess we got to have you on again, so he can't have that dignity.
2: I'm so sorry for you guys that he had times. <laughs> you should just put him on with me so you can just listen to the back and forth the bickering
1: (laughs) maybe we'll have you guys both on at the same time see what happens
2: i will say just just going off of that real quickly i will say what chase has done for chaotic i think has helped grow uh the wrestling business and the queer like identity in wrestling like leaps and bounds i think it was a huge risk to take but i think he understood the importance of representation and people seeing people they can look up to and i think it takes a lot of balls to do that and put such a statement on it and to make it such a main feature and you know my hats go off to him i think chase is a fantastic human who is a great wrestler and um he annoys the crap out of me but i love him dearly and i think you know i give him props for putting the community out there and being like we need more representation and here's about that represents that and if you don't like it then sucks
0: well, well we'll definitely make sure that um you know for all the bad things you said we'll make sure he's blocking his ears but you know i'm sure he'll take that praise to heart for sure
2: <laughs> take the bike pump out of his head first
0: free- <laughs> You must have been very happy when uh, JT took over wrestling operations at Chaotic, I'm sure.
2: I mean, you're trading one devil for the other. I mean, you're trading one narcissist for another narcissist. So, and as a king of narcissism, you just got narcissists running all over the place. So it was really like, you know, just swapping in someone worse for someone else. I do love JT. I think he's a great boss. Um, I mean, I've been a great champion. You're welcome, JT. Sorry, I can hold a belt and you can
1: <laughs> Hopefully, he doesn't hear that and
2: uh, I try hope he to
1: pull a little shenanigans like he did to Davian.
2: Listen, he can pull what he wants with anyone else. You don't pull one on the dime piece. Mm-mm. Boy will get burned real fast.
1: It's very fair. So, uh, JT, you watch out, man. Don't mess with the dime piece. I
2: think. He's a smart boy. I think he knows not to, not to put his hand in a cage that's going to bite him, you know? You don't want to mess per- with uh, perfection. You don't want to play with diamonds because they're sharp and they'll cut you.
0: All right, Aaron. Well, um, as we come uh, towards the end of our interview here, um, we have a question that could potentially have two parts that we ask all of our guests that come on. For you, any wrestler, any point in history... Um, and you can choose whatever match stipulation you want. Uh, What is a dream match for you?
2: Oh, boy. This is very hard because there's so many wrestlers that pop into my brain. I feel like I'm going to have multiple answers for this. I'm sorry. I feel like it has to be me versus Randy Orton but legend killer Randy Orton, because that's what uh, inspired me to become a wrestler in a WrestleMania match. Probably, like, standard, like, a standard one-on-one, just because, like, he was my idol, still is, you know, and watching him grow up, like, I loved his legend killer face. Like, just such a pompous, arrogant young gun who just was, like, out to prove that he's the best. I mean, I would say probably gleaning towards more modern times i would love it is my dream to wrestle adam cole in any capacity of a match i don't it could be anything it could be a tuxedo match for all i care i would love that would love that so much and i would just love to wrestle uh, sasha banks in some degree she is i know uh, i know she is no matter what anyone says she is my icon I totally look up to her. I think what she did for women's wrestling and wrestling in general, she changed a game. And she's a local, you know, Massachusetts gal. We love that. And, you know, I'm always just inspired by what she's doing, what she comes up with. She's so creative. She, to me, is probably one of the best in the world. Don't come for me, haters. I'll shoot you down. But I stand by it. I think she's one of the best, truly. And I would, it would be such an honor to face her and any three of those wrestlers that I listed.
1: Some good choices. And I, I think the Sasha one I'd like to see a lot, uh, probably the most. Just because uh, you're both, I mean, you, you said you're uh, like a, you have a lot of Japanese influence in your wrestling. And so that she, I think that'd be fun back and forth. And obviously she's a chaotic girl. You're the pan That maybe a title, title match for the title would be awesome.
2: I'm just saying. If she ever felt like lowering herself to wrestle me at some point, I would put on the match of a lifetime. If she would ever love to wrestle for that Panoptic title, time, place, date, sweetie, you let me know.
0: Well, technically, you did qualify for part two of that question. And normally, some people will say non-active wrestlers for the first part, but you named all active wrestlers. So, the same question, but somebody who currently is not competing in the ring. Non-active.
2: I mean, I feel like, honestly, Shawn Michaels. I, like, watching him grow up, like, he, he was Mr. WrestleMania. He was the showstopper. And I, if I could ever have a match with him, I feel like that would just be too charismatic like juggernauts going at it. I think we would make magic. And I you know I would love to jump off the top rope and him super kick my face into the fourth row. Would love that.
1: That's awesome. We definitely get a lot of um Shawn Michaels
2: and uh as
1: answers, but I always love hearing the reasoning why. It's always a little different.
2: You know, because to me at at its core wrestling has always always been about the persona and the entertainment and like of course i love the physical sport of it all who doesn't but like just you have sean freaking michaels and like aaron Rourke, a lovable pompous like he earned his names the showstopper mr wrestlemania versus this dude who thinks he owns it and thinks he deserves it and has enough sass and attitude to make you believe it i think it would just i think a, a stadium couldn't keep our egos in Truly.
0: Yeah. Anybody that's followed this podcast knows that I love wrestling for the larger than life characters. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, you watching you in, in Chaotic and, and Creative Pro and every other promotion you've been in is, is one of the reasons I'm always so drawn to you. You know, you just you go out there as this larger than life character and you're just not afraid to be who you are. And Aaron Rourke, I think, is just an extension of who you are. And those are always my favorite characters.
2: Yes, I always say like the most successful characters I feel like are extensions of us just blown out of proportion. Like I would never say like Aaron Rourke is like who I am in real life. But there is a part of me that is Aaron Rourke and is that flamboyant asshole who just wants to make everyone hate themselves and him as much as humanly possible. So I totally agree with you on that that's what I love about it.
0: All right, Aaron. So with the last few minutes of our show here, um, you know we like to let our guests plug and promote anything they have going on, be it shows coming up, social medias, merch, things like that. Um, so with that, the floor is yours.
2: So tonight streaming on IWTV at 9pm, Creative Pros, the grand stage will be streaming. Go check it out is the biggest and best cap show in history. I think there is some on uh, like every match has an unforgettable moment it was a fantastic show please check it out please check out fwf major figure podcast for their updates on figures and when they're going to be streaming the live show that we just did may 27th is chaotic boston brawl i don't know who i'll be facing but i have a feeling he might be a little k maybe maybe uh, May 28th, Limitless Wrestling Art takes on MSP and a surprise opponent. I don't know who that is, but whoever it is, sorry for you. You're going to have a rough day. And, yeah, just look out for me on social media, Twitter and Instagram. Same handle, PerfectAaron1. My merch, ProWrestlingTees.com backslash A-Rourke1. Get your evil gay shirts just in time for Pride. It's coming up. And um, to anyone who follows me and watches me. Just thank you so much. I enjoy what I do and I enjoy putting on shows for you guys. And just know, no one does it better than me.
0: And that is a damn fact. I can say that for sure. (laughs) All right, Aaron, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it.
2: Thank you for having me. I had such a great time. Thank you so much.
1: That's our talk with the dime piece, Aaron Rohr, the champ, champ. Hopefully he can go back to being a champ, champ, champ again pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, it was a great interview. Love talking to him, uh, learning more about him, learning more about the face paint. Um, If you're curious why we're so fascinated by the face paint, uh, I mean, I'm sure Bill was interested, but I I made all those questions. I was just, I, I don't know what it is with, like, does, uh, costume design and like face paint for wrestlers and stuff but it very interesting he's top tier ring gear top tier uh presentation in the ring so i definitely wanted to dive deep into that
0: yeah it it just adds to the theatrics of pro wrestling uh i know kind of at the interview there we were talking about love for larger than life characters and aaron work is really an extension of the person behind aaron work you know it's it's so great to see because it just really shows how much passion you have. And coming from a place like create a pro where they've created such great characters like MJF, like Aaron Rourke, like you know Bobby Orlando yeah. and Phil Cardigan. Phil Cardigan, I was going to say after Bobby Orlando. You know, like it's you can just tell that they really give people a different mind for the business than just... You need to be the best technically in the ring, and there is a place for that in wrestling. There's there's something for wrestling in everybody, but I think a big part of wrestling that we lack nowadays is character, and I think AEW is doing that very well, as we see kind of the the Danhausen being in AEW, MJF running AEW. Let's be honest, and you know, Aaron Rourke is somebody I think would fit in quite well any company that he goes in. And I do truly wish nothing but the best for the Dime Piece because ever since the first day I watched the chaotic show, he has caught my eye.
1: It took a little while to, for me to warm up to him, but I definitely am a fan now. But even when, even when I was uh, not on the train, he definitely still caught my eye because his charisma is undeniable. Uh, his talent, I mean, I never, I never denied his blessing or his know-how in the ring he really is a special wrestler uh, and I think a great role model for people in the LGBTQ community too. And he's doing great work. I hope that he just keeps rising up the ladder because he deserves it. And he earns it. And yeah, it was, it was a great time talking to him. It never, you, you uh, said it already, but I kind of, to it too, but it never ceases to amaze me how many great characters and just great character work comes out of creative pros like like Myers and Cardona, obviously, but like um well not yeah, Myers, um obviously Cardigan, the names you've said, Slade is the one I love, like so many like great talents, V S K, Sterling, Smart Mark Sterling, like like they just knock out of the park. And I I always just wanna really dive more into that. And really Find out why. Is it, it can't be coincidence. I know we asked uh, Cardigan about
0: it. We just got to get Pat Buck or Brian Myers on. I think that's the answer to the question.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you know, if either you guys happen to listen to this or you know, because you want to just support your 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 boy Aaron Rourke definitely
0: like definitely very interested. We'll definitely reach out
1: because that having both of them on would be awesome.
0: We do have a lot of Creative Pro alum that have been guests on this podcast so maybe maybe we're a chaotic and a creative pro podcast we just stand them we just stand them both but again thank you to aaron for joining us today make sure you guys are checking him out on social media make sure you guys are following uh his merch page you can get that evil gay shirt in time for pride as he said i thought that was a pretty funny comment And yeah, you can also follow us on social media to keep up with our episodes or YouTube videos. We just posted a reaction video to an FSW match featuring AR Fox, Tony Neese, Rich Swan, and of course, former guest JT Dunn. So Juice, where can the people find us on social media? Twitter,
1: it's uh, capital T, capital O, capital T, capital C, underscore, capital P, lowercase O, lowercase T instagram it's uh, just a lowercase t-o-t-c underscore p-o-d definitely uh hit us up um, talk to us send us stuff um for ideas for shows or just posts or just you know shoot the ship and um yeah that's it from juice's social media plug.
0: and you always do it so well but yes, everybody, again, thank you so much for tuning in. And as we come crashing down to the mat on this episode of Top of the Cage, we again want to thank you so much and thank Aaron for joining us this week. And we hope to catch you next time. Oh, I didn't plug. Wait, hold on. No, I didn't plug the five-star thing. If and And, and, and if you listen to us on Spotify and Apple Music, and you are not giving us a five-star review because you have the ability to give us a five-star review on those platforms, you will not get five-star content, and that is just a fact. And I can't believe I forgot that because I am a professional. I am the super producer. I am the one that has to recommend me for that. So I'm going to take my 10 lashes off air. So <laughs> and again, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And once again, we will catch you next time.